Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Shiny Developer Series. I am your host, Eric Nance. And without further ado, I am thrilled to welcome our special guest for this episode, our package developer, Shiny enthusiast, and all-around great guy, John Cohen. So let's hear my conversation with John now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so welcome back, everybody, um, to another exciting episode of the Shiny Developer Series. I know we've been away for a few months, but and a lot's happened in the world. But I am very excited to be joined by a very prominent member of the Shiny community. He's authored numerous uh, HTML widgets and thrown some really awesome Shiny apps um, in the open source community. And it's my pleasure to welcome uh, John Cooney to the show. John Cooney, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Eric. Yeah, so um, why don't you tell our, our audience a little bit about your background and um, how you discovered R and, and Shiny afterwards. Sure, my background is rather dull, I'm afraid. Um, but uh, <laughs> I originally from Belgium, did my studies in the UK. Um, all I hold is actually a bachelor in business studies. Um, after that, I essentially, I went to China for what was supposed to be a year, uh, but everything went terribly wrong, fell in love with the country, uh, and came back to Europe five years later, married. Um, and so that's where I am now. I'm in Geneva. I work for the World Economic Forum um, in the capacity of a data analyst. Very cool. Yeah, we actually share a lot in common. I, I didn't meet my wife in China, but she, we met in the U.S. But yes, yeah, so I'm definitely trying to pick up Mandarin. And I think you're probably a lot better at that than I am, I would guess. <laughs> you know, my Chinese is, my Mandarin is basic, but it's all right. Um, <laughs> if we need to order, order food later on, I can help, but not much yes, more. Yes, I, 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 I will hold you to that later. <laughs> So there's a lot, there's a lot I want to cover with you today. Um, what I want to lead off with is kind of a more of a timely topic. Um, you had released and, and created a very impressive shiny application to help view um, COVID-19 metrics. You've actually submitted this part of the shiny contest. And I recall when I saw you release this, I thought, okay, this is something I definitely want to talk to John about when <laughs> I have him on this episode. I would love for you to tell our audience kind of what motivated you to create this app and some of the building blocks inside it and some of the cool tricks technically or otherwise that you've learned mm -hmm. from it. And we'd love to see it in action. Sure, sure, with pleasure. Uh, I'll share my screen in a bit, but essentially, uh, like I said, I lived in China for five years. My wife, in, my wife is Chinese, so I have some sort of connection with the country. And when I saw that, come up in the news, um, I wanted to sort of cover it. At the time, uh, I think it was late January that I, that I put that online. Um, the only app that was out there, uh, dashboard-like that was out there, was that of John Hopkins, right. uh, which, um, which was not ideal, uh, namely for um, mobile. Uh, and this is why um, when I built the app, I used the uh, framework Shiny Mobile that mm. um, the David Grandjean, who you had on the podcast in an earlier episode, did build um, as part of the R interface group. Um, uh, and yeah, I used that because I really wanted to, um, to have an app that I could check on my mobile um, uh, because the John Hopkins was looking dreadful on mobile. So essentially, this is what it looks like. 
it's like I said, built based on Shiny Mobile, and it's Shiny Mobile is really not mobile friendly as much as it's mobile first, uh, and that's why it tends to look a bit oddish, admittedly, here on screen, on a on a laptop. So I'll just we'll just pretend with this neat option here. We'll pretend it's a it's a, it's a phone. Um, and that gives you the UI that you'd have on a Pixel 2 phone here, for instance. Uh, and the idea there too was to pull the numbers from various sources. Um, as you probably well know, there's a lot of controversy over those numbers, what they mean, what they really are. Uh, we don't know. By the time, I think if I remember correctly, the discrepancy was even greater between what John Hopkins had and what other sources in China um, did report. Um, I think that changed over the time, but essentially the idea was that then I could take data from different uh, those different sources, uh, and with my little bit of Mandarin, I could work out um, how to get the data from websites like Jing Chang Yun and these sort of things, uh, and WeChat situation there. Um, and essentially, the app is structured like uh, it's built on so Shiny Mobile using Golem, of course. It's just yes. so great to structure. I am a huge fan of it. I have gone mm. Golem all the way since account yep. they released it in the wild. Yep. Yeah, indeed, me too. I can't, I can't do it without anymore. Um, <laughs> even though I did actually build a few apps using the, in the form of a package, uh, Shiny Golem does a much better job than I ever did in structuring things. And Likewise, yep. It sort of forced me to use modules and these sort of things, which uh, I never used properly before. So there's <laughs> quite a bit of this here. Uh, I'll try and delve a bit in the code later on, of course. So you have a home tab and then four other tabs, one for John Hopkins, one for each data source, and okay. then another one that I added later on, which is just news, which you can set up with a uh, Google News uh, via Google News API. Um, and so this is the first tab with, from uh, using John Hopkins data. Essentially, I use for all the graphics, I use eCharts for R, one of the libraries that I built. Um, for two reasons, namely, well, since I authored it, I know it inside out. And second, <laughs> I try and sort of, you know, I have to eat my own cooking. I can't just put an app out, uh, a package out there. I hope others use it if I don't use it myself. And it's got a couple of neat features that hopefully we can get into. Um, so these are essentially on this first tab from John Hopkins, this basic stats that um, nothing too fancy. Um, but there's some nice features here, for example, from each other that I quite like the timeline feature. So you can have a play button, have the data, um, what we can see the data, how it progressed over time. Um, it's not restricted to a timeline, to a sort of time series or whatever. Mm -hmm. And these are neat cards by Shiny Mobile again. Um, it looks odd like this admittedly, but uh, on mobile you can click on it and then it expands like this. Um, and you can normally click and drag on the mobile or close it like this. Um, then another interesting tab perhaps is this one. Uh, it made me build one or two sort of, sort of those packages that I love, that I, they're tiny, they do one thing, uh, but I find they do it rather well. Uh, so for example here, um, you have the map of China, and that was the data from Jinchang Yuan. That's why I wanted it, is because they give breakdown, not at the level of the province, but even um, more granular. And mm -hmm. so here, when you select a country, it scrolls down automatically to just below where you have the, the, the breakdown. And that's, yeah, that's, that's very nice. That's one of those tiny things that, um, it's honestly just, not, it's not much code. It was just not there. And I thought of building it essentially. Um, 
based on that. And then again, the maps here, it's all, um, it's all um, e-transferor again. Um, and then you have a final tab, news. It is a basic news search. I think based on simple keywords, uh, news is one of these neat layouts by uh, Shiny Mobile. Yeah, this is visually very impressive. And the fact that you're able to take Shiny Mobile, which was pretty new at that time. I remember David had been working on it a bit, but it was released not too long ago. Um, this was, in my opinion, the first real showcase of a lot of its potential. And mm -hmm. I have a very uh, less elegant version of an app I've done for like a side podcast venture, but it, this blows it completely out of the water. Um, how difficult was it to learn Shiny Mobile as you were creating this? Uh, it was surprisingly easy. Uh, David does a great job uh, at abstracting all of this stuff into something that, that the, the functions are named differently, but you've sort of seen them already. You've seen dashboard body, you've seen dashboard page, you've seen mm -hmm. this sort of thing, this tab panel, um, all of that sort of already exists in, in various forms in Shiny. And he sort of, he really did, he really did it well. Because I, I, I wanna insist on the fact that uh, at least for Shiny Mobile, he, he wrote, as far as I know, at least 99% of the code behind, uh, didn't contribute directly. I just wanted to use it there. Yeah, well, I mean, this is what I've always been hoping for in the Shiny community when we have these great packages out there that we're able to showcase a lot of their uses that are not just the cookie cutter demos, right? I mean, this is the way people can really learn. And the fact that you submitted as part of the Shiny contest, now it's easy for people to try it out on their own and look at the code side by side with the app and try things out. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly I commend you for not only making this itself, but then releasing it in, in the open. It's very impressive. Thank you, thank you. Um, for the code, I, I I could delve into the code itself, um, but it's a bit I don't know I don't know how to cover it exactly. Uh, essentially, the way I built it was um, the the aim was to not not just have it open source as in I have the code out there, mm -hmm. but hopefully that uh, other people could uh, easily run it and redeploy the app if they wanted to, making modifications if they wanted to. Uh, so I built this uh, this website explaining everything. It's itself an R package, so you can just uh, install it like so. Uh, and then I thought on top of it, since I had the data and I had that small, which the package includes everything obviously that you need to sort of set up the app. Uh, so you need to collect the data uh, and then run the app afterwards. Uh, and essentially I thought, why not add an API, which I'm afraid I had to sort of, I would, which is part of the package. We can, you can redeploy yourself. I had to take it down uh, because my bill was going up as people were pinging it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you can, you can redeploy that um, if you fancy it. And actually uh, somewhat interestingly, I, it's funny because I had the uh, tracking code for Google Analytics in there. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, it was really nice to see that some people, uh, or quite a lot of people, actually deployed it themselves. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. So the, and and then in this so in this um, documentation, you have everything you need to 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 deploy it. But essentially, um, one thing I tried to do is um, is to 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 merge the the fact that it's um it's um it it it. it it's sort of shiny prod to me. It's out there. You you can build um. It's, right. There's a database, Postgres database in, in the back, which you can set up. But if you don't want to here, you can just run it without, if at least you just want to try. You just install the package, 
crawl the data and then run the app and you're, you're good to go. Yeah. Um, that's an excellent point that you've, you've covered two sides of this. You can run this in kind of a development or testing framework, but you've laid this foundation to deploy it in a production like um, workflow as well. I think that's another example where a lot of the shiny examples we'll see are kind of great for prototyping things, but then can you really use it in production? This is certainly one of those cases where you've done a lot of the groundwork that this could be very mm. much a production app if you chose it to. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit funny to me that this whole R in prod is still somewhat of a debate some places. Mm. I have tons of shiny apps in production all over the place at work and elsewhere uh, that run great. Uh, I'm not going to show you the numbers I got for, for this app, but I was very surprised myself, honestly, that I did, I, I, in all honesty, I didn't use shiny test profile, low test. I didn't do any of that. I just built the app that I liked, uh, deployed it, shared it on Twitter and elsewhere. People liked it and got quite a bit of traffic. Mm -hmm. uh, and honestly, it's, it worked fine. It served sometimes 13, 15 concurrent users uh, without any issue. Uh, I didn't have to... Uh, use promises or any of that and I know that if you do it works even better um, so I'm all for shining prod that's what we use mainly at work and that I use a lot in, in, in my side projects as well yeah well that's excellent news and I like you like you were saying we saw this reputation many years I would say within probably the last year or two we're starting to see that debunked a bit with more data science teams saying that hey, R isn't just for us prototyping, you know, machine learning models or, or, or these simple interfaces. We can go the full other spectrum and get to that production deployment. So like you said, every, every web type app I make at work is a shiny app. And mm -hmm. some of them are very simple things. And some of them are very much a production app that are, that are used with key stakeholders. And if it, anything goes wrong, you know, bad things will happen, but we, we make sure that we, we cover all of our bases and, and prevent those. So certainly what I'm hoping in conversations like we're, what we're having and future episodes is that there should not be this myth about shiny and R in general not being used in production. They're very much first-class yeah. citizens of it. You just need best practices to make that work well for your organization. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the, the thing there is I feel, and it's not to to sing the praises of shiny too much, but it sort of it suffers from its own success is, is <laughs> the fact that it is indeed very, it, it is indeed, the, as far as I know, the best framework you can do for any kind of prototyping. Uh, I don't know if you've used other things um, uh, elsewhere, but I'm never do, doing a Django form ever again. Even just getting an input, <laughs> input data is nightmarish. Yeah. Um, but then there's this sort of false dichotomy. If it's good for prototyping, surely it can't be good in prod. And it's not the case, obviously. Um, right. Yeah, which, which I think, and the more this, I think at least, I might be wrong because I'll admit I'm, I'm, I'm very ignorant of the whole thing. But uh, it's, it's not that the prod thing and the scale problem will occur whatever framework you use, whatever language you use. And it's generally more in terms of DevOps on how you use auto-scaling and these sort of things. Right. Um, which incidentally, when I built this app, it got quite popular and people wanted one at work as well, um, which I did also build in, in Shiny, which, which saw peaks in traffic that were far greater. But they're using just, I, I just used Docker and, and uh, help from IT and it was perfectly fine.
Yeah, there's lots of these other tools out there for like you mentioned, like container technologies and deployments of other hosting platforms. You can achieve a lot of robust, you know, production deployments with just a little investment in these DevOps principles. And that's mm -hmm. something that I've been learning personally lately with a lot of Amazon Web Service, you know, deployment stuff and everything like that. But it all kind of blends together and keeping an open mind can open up these these doors or these um, pathways to making your your apps be able to scale up as needed. So certainly, um, it may seem a little daunting at first, but with a little investment, such as I've seen others in the shiny community start to kind of broadcast a bit more, you can really make a lot of headway in these deployments. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to see that you're exploring those as well. And on, and on that, if I might uh, sort of make another comment and maybe segue into something else. Yes. It's, I feel, and it's it's a journey I've sort of been on mentally, so so to speak. Um, let me. They, we become too critical of the apps that we build. I do the same myself. I've seen other people who build amazing apps, but they present it to me like uh, it was rubbish. Sorry, it's so I could build, and it's all it's all it actually works fine. And that sort of segues into how it will, yeah why I sort of built uh, the waiter package. Um, yes. It's simply that. Uh, I had an app that was actually taking a, it was, I don't know, it was not taking a long time to load, but it felt like an eternity. Um, and as I built the package, I sort of, I, I, you feel like it's slow, but in actual fact, if I might show you something. So let's go to here, Google Analytics. I mean, it's not fast to load, is it? Yet it's, a, it's, it's an application by Google that's a dashboard that right. on screen right now doesn't even have that much data. But you saw how long it took to get there. Yeah, yeah right. If your Shiny app takes this long, you probably go crazy. You're thinking I should optimize the code. Um, of course, they're completely different games, but still, if, if these apps, people are used to the, these sort of apps taking that long, um, mm -hmm load and we shouldn't sort of freak out too much about it um however there's this sort of one thing that um that sort of it's um it's without getting too deep or pompous about it there's often this uh there's this great book by rory sutherland the, the, the marketer uh called alchemy uh in which he observes that of the london underground that the single thing that made that increased passenger satisfaction on the london tube the most is not faster, more frequent trains, but the simple little dot display matrix that you have on the platform. Because then people know how long they have to wait. You can wait nine minutes knowing your train is coming in nine minutes, whereas you can't wait four minutes on the platform without knowing when the train is coming. You're standing there, you don't know if the train's coming, if you missed it, if it's delayed. And it's mm -hmm. the same for sort of a shiny app. When I pulled Google Analytics there, um, the app didn't present, the, the, the page wasn't blank for six seconds or however long it took to, to load. There was some sort of visuals, visual cues that told me that it was working, right. that it was in effect loading. Um, and in that, I'll just take to try and demonstrate that I have, a, this is a slide I had for um, Saturday here in, uh, in Neuchâtel. I'll just refresh to try and make it work. What you have there is two shiny apps. <clears throat> the one on the left is a news waiter or loading screen. 
but takes mm-hmm. 1.5 seconds to load. The other one takes twice as long, but has waiter. And I always right. argue that even though it takes twice as long, it doesn't feel as long uh, because I'm presented with something. I know that it's working. I know that something's coming. Whereas on the other one, I'm, I'm, I'm in front of a blank screen. I don't know what's, what's happening. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, I'll just stop that because it's going to drive us crazy. But um, yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was one of the, the ideas um, be, behind that. Uh, I had a, an app that was not really taking long, but it was some sort of transition that felt unnatural between someone clicking a, a button or, or something in the nav bar and getting transferred to another page, that that was happening sort of too oddly. Um, yeah, and I must say, Waiter has been a huge help for some of my recent apps where it's a hybrid of it's starting up, like you said, in the Google Analytics example, there, there is some load, data loading happening and there's some like connections APIs happening in a startup. And mm-hmm. the worst thing that users can see is a page where they type in the address bar and there's absolutely nothing happening. <laughs> and they're gonna blame you sometimes. They're like, hey, hey, wait a minute, Eric, that, that app's not working. I'm like, wait, just give it a number of 10 seconds. And so I have a, an app in, about to be in production where I just have a little logo of our group and a little spinner right next to the waiter. And that way they know that, hey, that awesome dashboard is loading, just be patient. But yeah. I cannot tell you how much feedback I've gotten from my more earlier apps where even if it's a simple plot that just has a lot of data points and you know things like ggplots here are taking a bit of time to refresh and then they're thinking they're just waiting at that blank white area and I'm like oh no I gotta figure out a way to tell them something's happening so I would try like pop-ups and stuff but obviously waiter is just another one of these great examples of little tools that if you know about them can make this experience for your users and frankly you as a developer a lot more sane and a lot more controllable and be able to you know share these share these concepts of hey things are happening just stand by a little bit but that perception is real that three second plot i wasn't concerned about it but if i see a blank white screen yeah, I'm going to start to worry a little bit if that's going to take a bit of time. So, yeah, yeah. Certainly, yeah, thank you for making that package. It's certainly excellent. Not at all. My pleasure, really. And it's, it's, it's and yeah, I think what, what you said is true and sort of it touches upon, yeah, two things. The thing is that, yeah, that, that, that perception of time more than, than how long it takes, but also this, and there I have to take a, a wee bash at Shiny. Um, this is, it's essentially what you said. When you have a, a, a plot, and the data underlying it is being recalculated. Mm-hmm. Shiny adds this by default sort of opaque layer. It has a recalculating class. Yes. You know what I mean? Whitish yes. uh, thing. And, and that's a great example of where our behavior as developer has changed to fit the platform rather than the other way around. Because that, you, you know something's coming because you know Shiny. But to anyone else, to the layman, that actually communicates probably the opposite, that something has gone terribly wrong. Why mm-hmm. is this plot gone opaque? Um, but, th- but that thankfully was, uh, was added, uh, added thanks to, 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 to Hadley. Essentially at first uh, on Waiter, you can only have full screen. Uh, and then he opened a few issues saying, essentially, I think you should and could be able to overlay over different elements of, of the app, which I can bring the website for essentially. Yeah, um, this website's excellent, by the way. I mean, did you have a lot of web tr- like web development training before you got into Shiny? Because it sure looks like you did. 
<laughs> no, no, not really. I just, um, I just, I love package down, but I've done so mm -hmm. much. I've done so much packaging. I have 25 sets with package down. So I wanted to explore different things. Uh, and this one, oh my God, I can't even remember what it is. But there's other sort of documentation website generators that you can find okay. um, that are very easy to, to deploy. Um, the thing is they won't work on our markdown, or at least not natively, you could build something too, but they'll work on markdown. And essentially everything there is, um, is built on markdown. Cool. I'm trying to remember the name. Um, so yeah, this one, I can't remember what it is, but I've used a few, we'll explore them uh, eventually. We'll see. Absolutely. Yeah. Use for that. Um, and essentially I use, I used, I still use package down because it's great for the references for the, mm -hmm. for the reference. It's amazing for that. Uh, and for the vignettes essentially. Uh, but here, since it's all shiny, I didn't really need the vignettes because there was no real output to be, to be produced there. So I use that. Sure. Um, and essentially it's grown into something, uh, it started with just the, 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 the load, the, the plain loading screen. Uh, but then I added a lot and essentially I named it waiter because in my mind it was still more of a waiting screen going back to that analogy of waiting for something than a loading screen. I thought a waiter would be good and I had the sex sticker in mind and everything. And then I added other things and uh, admittedly makes it a bit confusing because now you have waiter, waitress, hostess, butler and everything. Um, but essentially <laughs> all the documentation is here. The best way to demo it is probably to click demo and go to the, to the demo shiny app. Yeah, this is something I really appreciate. So sometimes I just need to see this stuff in action and having a little demo that I can play with is really helpful. So Yeah, yeah, it's just as, um, as I think, actually, I, I steal all of that idea from DreamRs and they've got shiny widgets where you have yep. those incidentally. They have this shiny widget gallery, which is just amazing. Um, and I thought I wanted something similar here. Yeah. Um, so essentially you have Waiter, which is the, so you can, as you see, you can layer it on top of, um, pretty much anything. It, it can't. It doesn't have to be um, a plot or a table. It can be an arbitrary piece of HTML that you have, um, uh, and you can layer it on everything, or you can layer it on the whole page. Uh, we can do on full screen, and I have something on the full screen. Yep. Um, and then I brought in other things. I brought like the, the hostess, which is essentially a progress bar. Uh, which can work on its own, but generally works better with the waiter. So which that with that layer, either full screen or not, you can have some mm -hmm. like this. Uh, here. It's on an SVG. It's pretty cool. That, that's really slick. I, I want to play yeah. with that more. <laughs> and then, or on the elements like that, these are off the shelf sort of progress bars that they, 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 they provide. Um, and then here, just, just one thing real quick, because again, it's shiny. What I like to do that more and more, I don't know. I'm not even sure it's good UI to be honest, but I, I take the navbar page and I hide the navbar, and then with the um, update tab set panel and everything, you can essentially have those create the, your own navigation, so to speak. So here, this is a navbar page, and that was that leads to one tab panel. That that one leads to another, and that button just returns you to the home tab. If oh, that makes sense. Oh, neat. Yeah, I was wondering yeah. how you pulled this off because I've been wondering if I could do a similar thing with uh, some of the dashboard packages as well. Um, you know, I, can, I, have the sidebar, but, yeah. I can just briefly show you something that's uh, somewhat relevant. That's the, the, the first app I actually submitted to the first Shiny contest. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I have a small blog post here where I sort of explain that. Um, so there's the code here. You have the navbar page. And what you do is you just with this CSS, 
you hide, hide the navbar, and then you can have a button that use update tab set panel. So if I copy that, I can go to our studio here and just run that. Uh, and this is a navbar page, as you see, but there's no navbar. And I have oh, created yes. a button that's changed, that switches me to hello, which is another tab here. Um, uh, and yeah, I, I essentially, which is essentially, it's an incidentally the app I created waiter for. I had a transition that was a bit odd. Uh, <laughs> but here we have the, um, all the um, all the spinners that you have out of the box, um, which I, I got from various places. I did a very poor job of tracking where I got them from. Um, <laughs> they're all from code pens and other things, spin, spin kit CSS, etc. <clears throat> but interestingly, it's got the waitress and the hostess, which I'm happy to demonstrate. But in all honesty, I myself want to use waiter and a spinner. Um, the waitress is with essentially you have to know. You you have to. It's a loading bar, but you 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 have to increment it yourself a bit. Like I see. The, the okay. package progress. So okay. you have to. If it happens in steps or in a for loop, which I rarely do, that could be useful. Mm -hmm. But then it can be pretty interesting because again you can layer it on top of elements, these different uh, themes again, or even this like you can layer it on this very button, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. uh, the notifications are not that great, but they they should appear right here. Um, uh, and yeah, I've got that, and then hostess is a the very fancy um, the very fancy uh, loading bars essentially, which yeah it's is there just for fun. But I'll admit I've never really used it, and this is the one you can use for the logo or an SVG or something like that. Do I admit? Would this would this also benefit from knowing the steps ahead of time, like you said in the for loop, or could you kind of do this indefinitely and it just kind of magically transitions when it ends? You know? I've, I've tried to. Well, I have some sort of infinite infinite mode in there, but it's 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 not that great because okay. the increases in percentage rather than pixels it would be. Um, but it's there, but it's not that great. Yeah, well, I could tell you one technique that I did for an app that's, like I said, about to be in production is we have to send uh, like a, a computation job to another server in the cloud. And I don't really know when it's like a progress of like how long it's going to take. I just get like a poll of it every three seconds saying if it's quote running or finishing. Mm -hmm. And so I just took the easy way out. I did a little modal on top of a little animated GIF and it just closes when it's done. And actually it gave people a lot of laughs. So I was like, okay, that's one way to make the app more entertaining when something's happening and I don't have wind of like how long it's gonna take. It's just yeah, there. Yeah. So this well, is see, honestly, something I can use for that. Like in any framework. form, right? It doesn't Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so I, I've learned these tricks along the way. Sometimes you just don't think of trying it until you experience like what it, it is from like the user side of things. Because as a developer, you're a little more lenient sometimes on showing the status of things. But when you step away for a second, then you realize, mm -hmm. no, just letting the app do nothing and not showing anything's happening is probably not the best idea either. So certainly waiter is going to be a huge asset to my toolbox um and my apps in the future as well yep. yeah yeah it's um it's probably i don't know maybe i don't know where why but i, I maybe i approach things differently but i would like to i i've, I've to me the, the the it's a bit of a pet peeve of mine that when you design an app design it to impress the user don't design it to impress another shiny developer <laughs> um, that doesn't matter uh, and so to me, it's sort of, it's really, 
aesthetics first and and yeah aesthetics first it is it's a what you're preparing is a visual output and again right. to me it's one of these false dichotomies where it's no no i take care of the the the, the back end of the server the, I, I don't see why you can't do both essentially um maybe you have time constraints i'll admit um but in the end sort of the the analogy that i use is um is that of uh, it took a long time to educate us, uh, our users and, and many other laymen, but mm -hmm. <coughs> um, to understand that a chart with better aesthetics is not just a prettier chart. It's a chart that does a better job at communicating insights. Exactly. Um, and that's true of your Shiny app as well, uh, I think. And so you have to think of the, the user experience and the UI that you want to provide uh, to me first. It doesn't mean you sacrifice everything else. Normally when you create your, your, your shiny app that surely the model is already built or whatever it is that the insights that you want to present is already built mm -hmm. and it's all about what you show the user essentially. Um, so I try, I try to tackle these sort of things first which um, maybe that's why I'm creating those packages which if you can look under the hood Eric it's nothing fancy. It's really nothing fancy. It's just that I think at least no one had really thought of these sort of things, um, which is something, for example, that I've tried to do more recently with uh, the Sever package, which I just pushed on on, on Cran. Oh, yes. We would we love to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> you have quite a few of these widgets out there and these new packages mm -hmm. that are all attacking this different space of like the user experience or other factors. So yeah, let's, let's see what Server is about. This is um, so there's a bit of the Grim logo. I don't know if that was a good idea. Um, sets the tone, doesn't it? Uh, Apparently so, yeah. yeah. But essentially, it's this it was simple, it was that I built for the Shiny app that I built for work, um, where the, the, the COVID tracker that I built for work, um, that one, because it was external facing, had to go through a lot of uh, checks and committees and everything to check the app was right. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that came up is, uh, what is this disconnected screen that I'm getting after some point? And essentially, I thought you don't, you shouldn't have a disconnected screen, essentially. Uh, or the disconnected screen shouldn't look the way it does. I don't know if you remember the default. Uh, of how it looks and you have that oh, little button. All, all too well, unfortunately, because sometimes it'll happen at the most inopportune times. <laughs> exactly. I can try and show it here. Hopefully sure. have um, another thing. So this is the default. This is this is an app. And if I disconnect the server, can I do that? Yeah. Stop. Now I get this instead. Oh, that's way the, better looking than the default. Yeah. <laughs> And you can, and essentially you can put whatever you want here, whatever button, you can customize the color and everything again. Um, and that was one thing that, because that was one of the things, honestly, that kind of made me panic a bit inside when people told me we have to get rid of this disconnected screen. And I thought, oh my God, I can't. And so I thought maybe if I make it look a bit better, um, that'll be all right. And, and it did go through. People thought, oh, well, it's all right. And I didn't sever because I thought I was thinking of severing a connection. Um, but then while I was at it, I thought I'd add another function um, that's called cleave. And essentially it's, uh, again, sorry, I have to zoom in a bit on that one, um, which is a, sever a cleave function, which is used for when you have these, uh, these error messages 
Um, it's no one likes them, uh, but what you want me to say, they happen. Uh, things yeah. go wrong, and your app will have some. Um, but if I am still very annoyed by object of type closure is not susceptible, <laughs> never mind. Never mind my 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 colleagues who don't even know how to write a line of code. So I thought, surely we can just make that a bit better, and you can just show something, you know, whatever message you want. And create a team and, and have it show um, or even have this if you want. <laughs> oh, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> um, but essentially, well, that, these are the fancy stuff for people to be creative. But generally, I would use something that looks uh, oddly similar to Waiter, but it's just a screen. I said, sorry, there's a problem. Uh, contact Eric, um, something like that you could put. Uh, but yeah, that was another thought of putting something to production and, and thinking if people see that, um, I don't know, you know, you know how it is. People, that's the one thing they're going to remember about your app is that one red error message. Even, even though they might have used it nine times, out I know. Of three, it was perfectly fine. That one time they will remember. Um, yeah, so it, it, they'll remember it. And, they'll, and even if it goes away, like after a few seconds, they'll be like, that error message shouldn't be there. So anything I can do to mask it or at least give something a little different to see first. And the other potential I see in this is that depending on why your app crashes, you could show a different message depending on what type of error it is. And maybe it's an API connection error. Maybe it's something else mm -hmm. going on. And then you can kind of be like, well, it's not the app's fault. It's the API's <laughs> fault. Contact the IT team or something like that. So I see lots of interesting potential here. That's true. I just, just wish to, to, to cram, but I had, I had other ideas of maybe a way for, you, for, for the user to copy the, error, the, the real error message uh, and be able to send it to you so that you can debug. Um, but yeah, this is another one of those where I thought, again, to me, was, was the aesthetics that sort of central. Yeah. So you, yeah, like I said, this is another great example of how you're trying to cover that, that user experience level. And, and it helps both sides, not just the user, but the developer at, at the mm -hmm. same time. And you said a great point earlier is that Shiny is a highly visual medium. How can it not be, right? Yeah. And one of the building blocks of those is obviously the visuals that you can put inside your app. And you mentioned it a few minutes ago, you've done some excellent work on the visualization side with the eCharts package. Um, we'd love to hear more about kind of the backstory of eCharts mm -hmm. for R and, and what was your motivation for creating that and how you've been using that in your kind of production apps. Sure. Um, well, my fascination for for that was the uh, HTML widgets package on top on, on top of which it is built. Mm -hmm. and I think my, the the first such a, it was I think there was no HTML widgets package back then, but I was absolutely blown away. I think it was R charts, um, the the old R charts that. Oh uh, yes, that, that like blew a lot of us away. Of like, okay, yeah. this is all possible from the R side. Oh my gosh, we gotta learn this. <laughs> that was amazing. That was absolutely yeah. amazing. And then I think. Uh, um, Ramnat, I'm, pro I'm definitely pronouncing his name wrong, but I think he wrapped it uh, instead of wrapping all the libraries into an R package, he built a utility to build such packages mm -hmm. all HTML widgets. Yep. And from that, I think it's Carson from our studio who did uh, Plotly, yes. uh, which is still the gold standard essentially in, um, in terms of HTML widgets. Uh, absolutely amazing one, which I used quite a bit. And then at some point, I just, I don't know, I just really wanted to understand and, and and build one, try and build one. And I had zero, no knowledge of, um, of JavaScript at the time. And still today, actually, my knowledge of JavaScript is quite limited. 
That's amazing you say that because when I look at e-charts and I'm like, he's got to have to have classes in this before. <laughs> There's absolutely no way. But wow, so you're saying you it kind of was a learning journey for you and then you kind of built a package on top of it. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, um you have to look at um, the sort of, because why, why you're probably coming from not knowing HTML, which is the package itself. And so what you're picturing is something, is something probably like I did then extremely daunting is I'm going to need dependencies. I'm going to need a lot of JavaScript. I need to manage this across shiny or markdown mm -hmm. presentations. And the truth is doing that should be extremely complicated, but the HTML widgets package takes care of most of it. And I just like to, um, if I might, if I may show you a quick um, example, if I, sorry, I have Absolutely. some window here in, in the way. Um, what am I doing? Let's create package. Yes. And we're going to create a package called this uh, test. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I studio. I'll do it. You create a, a something. Um, and you'll see, you'll see what I mean on how, how much it handles and I have to zoom in, that looks better, um, which is still, um, like I told you, I, well, I, I did this um, HTML workshop um, with uh, Iram uh, just a week ago, last Saturday. Yeah, um, I was trying to get in now. Your, your workshop filled up too quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid, uh, I'm afraid that I wanted to limit a bit the number of people because it was open to a lot. And I wanted to, it's, it's probably just the third time I do this workshop. I see. Um, and though, though with some arrogance, I'll say I know HTML widgets. I'm not sure, honestly, about you know the educational side and training. Uh, I'm, I do I thoroughly enjoy it. I'm not sure how good a job I do at it. So I wanted a small room to to be able to debug and things oh, like that. Oh, makes a lot of sense, yeah. Um, and so one of the things that I, that I show there is that to me still today, even though I've done it hundreds of times, blow, blows me away. Is this um, if you from the package HTML widgets, there is this function called scaffold widget, which builds the basic structure of a HTML widget. Mm -hmm. And let's say we're gonna build a widget called Eric. <laughs> and essentially it creates all these files. This is not the purpose of this here. Um, but what I want to show you is how much HTML widget does for you. So I created a new package. I'm gonna document it. I'm gonna load all the functions. And essentially this, uh, Scaffold widget created a simple function, the same name um, as the widget called Eric. Uh, uh, and it's gonna be Eric, Eric says hello. And you see that technically you have an HTML widget that opens in the viewer. Yeah. This is HTML. So from there, in actual fact, there's not too much work for the developers to do. Um, so I'm still blown away by this, and I want to, yeah, I, I, I every time try and show this because this is really, um, I mean, I think I think HTML widget itself deserves the credit for for most of what I do there. <laughs> um, so it handles a lot, and essentially to build an HTML widget, uh, my claim at least is that you need to know JSON more than JavaScript. There's very oh, interesting. There's very little JavaScript involved. If you look at um, eCharts. Pie charter, Plotly, Chart.js. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's one JavaScript function that initializes the whole chart. And, and the chart is defined by JSON. So you just need to build the JSON, 
and then you're good. But I, I'm 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 rambling. So this is the HR for R, which built I built it. I started two years ago, I think. Um, and I started first with the e-charts, which was for another version of e-charts, but really it's the four. And by then I had learned so much more, I thought I, I'd redo an entire um, package uh, on that. And it's got mm -hmm. a few interesting features, but the one I sort of want to focus on is what I've tried at least to implement recently, um, which is related to Shiny. Um, there's, this, there's a lot of documentation on Shiny. There's a lot of documentation on HTML widgets. But there's very little on how you make the two work together. Yes. Um, although you obviously can. So one. So there's there's essentially two ways when you have Shiny. You can um, send data from the R server to JavaScript, the front end, mm -hmm. or get it back. Generally, the other way, getting it back. A lot of people do that. I'm sure you've done you've done some uh, DT. Oh yes. Tables package, and when you mm -hmm. click a row you can pick that up server side. I don't exactly. know if you've done that, but that's an amazing one. So that's communicating data from JavaScript to Shiny, to, mm -hmm. yeah, to the R server. But you can do the other way around, obviously. But the interesting thing that I'm trying, that I was trying to build here, uh, let me take this for instance, and I'll run it, um, not in this studio, but it's one. Um, let me run that. Essentially, is uh, when you build the charts. When you think of building um, a ggplot2 chart in um, in Shiny, if you want to just um, add one one series, one geom to that, you have to re-render the whole chart. Yes. And one cool thing with JavaScript is that you don't necessarily have to. The axis on the you can see it on the screen that the axis um, the axis are there. Some things is already there. The Y data is already there. I don't want to have to touch that. I just want to add uh, a series. And here I can add a series. And you can see that there's no blank, there's no flash. It really just adds that series. Uh, and it's one, a lot more performant. And second, it provides these neat animations because this JavaScript library out of the box sort of support that stuff. And so now I can click remove, it's removed there. I can click add, adds it back in. Um, and that's sort of the, the, the thing I've tried to develop uh, lately with uh, eCharts for our, a lot, trying to make it work with Shiny a lot more. That's such an important tip. And this is something that, you know, I've been using Shiny since the beginning, but I admit I probably have abused the whole use the server to redraw or, or interact with things a bit too much. But honestly, from reading, um, for example, Colin Faye's about to be published book about engineering mm -hmm. production grade Shiny apps, there's a nice section on doing more on the client side to avoid these are doing too much syndrome. And, mm -hmm. and what you're showing here is a, another great use case of that is that if you can have the know of all to do more client side, you don't have to redraw that whole plot, especially if it had like say a thousand points inside, you know, if you're just redrawing one little thing, an axis label or whatever have you, yeah. don't overload your app more than it already is doing. It's already doing a lot. Yeah. Make, make the thing you know, a little easier life. <laughs> so this is a very yeah. nice technique. I really like it. Yeah, exactly. That's the main idea. That's the main idea. And in terms of what I've developed with eCharts for R, um, I mean, yeah, most of it, like I said, really credit goes to HTML widget. The rest is to eCharts, the native library. It's really, it's really powerful. It's got this, uh, this timeline thing, like I showed you, which, mm -hmm. um, is a bit, I don't know, it's a bit odd, but you can use it well. 
but we, if you can use it well, it can be extremely powerful. So this is all random data, that's why it looks a bit odd, but just in one argument, by setting timeline to true, you go from this to, to that, where you have an interactive timeline. Um, these are one of the neat things. Uh, and then also, as you might be able to guess from the, um, from the nav bar here, this, it covers quite a lot with geo, geospatial data yes. and other things. Yeah, so this, again, it's amazing that this was, like I mentioned, like you mentioned, kind of a way to learn how these widgets play out and how to construct them effectively. And now you've got something that's not just a prototype package. This is something you can use in any Shiny app. Or frankly, you don't even have to use it in a Shiny. You could use this in any kind of like web-based output, like from our markdown or elsewhere. So it seems like you got a lot of possibilities here to play with. Mm -hmm. Indeed, yeah, 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 it's true, it's true. And people forget that you can just save them as standalone HTML and put them elsewhere if you want to. Yeah, that's, that's a technique that I'm starting to explore a bit more because sometimes for every reason, you don't have the luxury of deploying something on a shiny server out in the cloud or somewhere. You just need to share something as simple as a single file that you just load in Chrome or whatever the browser of choice is and have everything baked in the data behind it and, and the JSON and all that. So you don't have to worry about surprises if they don't have like an IT department deploy something like that. So yeah. certainly I, I do have a bias source shiny for these things, but at the same time, these are great ways to use it in other places too. Yeah, indeed. I've tried to explore sort of some of, some of that because like it's a it, picture the, the previous app that I, that I showed where you click a button, you add a Siri. Um, we use, we use, um, we use the R server, but technically there's no need. You could have everything in an HTML file. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't managed to make it work for a lot of things, but for some things, um, for some things you can. So I've added, for example, I have managed to have buttons. So this button is, in that, is completely separate from the chart, yet is able to interact with it, where there I've set it to zoom onto some, some random area as a demo. When I click zoom, it zooms there. Or, or here I can even have, as you can see, it's completely disconnected from the chart and I can highlight mode number four. Oh, uh, slick. This, this little bit, and this is um, packaged down, our markdown is standalone. Um, or here you can zoom in, uh, highlight uh, an area, it's pretty cool. Uh, but it doesn't work with a lot of things right now on each of us for our, um, it's more for kicks than, than being useful just yet. But I think there's a lot of potential <laughs> there. Yeah, like I said, yeah, this is opening the doors for a lot of possibilities here. Um, so on, as you were talking about HTML widgets and showing that quick example of how you can start quickly, um, you had that great nugget, like you said, about having expertise in JSON is just as important, if not more important than the JavaScript itself. Um, what other advice do you have for those in our audience that want to start making HTML widgets that maybe come from just shiny experience like me, because I never did JavaScript before any of this. Um, my, old, my only web development learning back in grad school was building PHP websites with MySQL databases. I wasn't exactly a <laughs> UI wizard. But um, so what, what advice do you have for those that want to get more effective at building HTML widgets in, in this situation? Um, that's, a, that's a very good question. Um, I, I'm going to plug my own stuff. I'm trying to trying to write a book. Hopefully, I can get it published that covers that in great depth. Uh, but it, it, it's difficult to say because essentially, I learned everything just trial and error. <laughs> um, like I've said, there's a, there's a bit of documentation. What I've shown you is you can from 
very little get the basic structure of it uh, down. And essentially, I think I think the issue there, if I might, is too often in the in the R world, I feel like we compare ourselves to uh, the top-notch developers. Whenever yeah. you and I write a package, when you compare it to Dplyr uh, or the Tidyverse, and you think maybe what I'm writing is not so good, well, it's 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 wrong. It's uh, it, it, there's a lot of those packages that are amazing, mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's just about that. When you build your first HTML widget, you're not gonna rebuild Plotly overnight. But there's a lot of others, very small um, libraries that are that would benefit greatly benefit the, the community um, that are not integrated with R and uh, I don't know specialize on a certain one type of chart that makes it sure. a lot easier to integrate. And I would say um, start with this these sort of things, uh, trial and error. Yeah, well, that's that's a lot of us have been learning. Um, and earlier in the year, I had the pleasure of being in. Um, uh, a short course at our studio conference for Shiny for, jo for JavaScript for Shiny users. And Garrick A. and Bowie led that course and Colin Fay was one of the TAs and lots of interesting information. I admit it was a lot to process in two days, but there are a lot of sentiments that you're saying too, is making sure you try a simple widget first and then knowing the tools that you have available for debugging when things go crazy, whether it's in the developer console or just in in the R session no. itself, it just takes practice. There isn't a great way that you can magically give somebody like that prospective way of getting it right the first time. It's just going to be you're giving them nuggets of wisdom along the way, but they're just going to have to try themselves, I think. To yeah, to get it's that, and it's, it's motivation. It's really just that because it's not. It's like, like I showed you. I think it was not really. I don't know. No one should say that, but it's not that complicated. But uh, hmm. what I mean is. Well, another example you could take is uh, CSS. Sure, um, sure. Most of people who program in R are, a lot of them are academics who trained in stats and understand concepts that are far more complicated than CSS. <laughs> it's just because it's daunting and because it's another world and because, yeah. you know, um, but this sort of thing, CSS, if, if you set yourself to do it just two hours and you're, I think most R users would be good to go. JavaScript and HTML widget would take a bit longer, but I'm sure most people um, could do um, could eventually get there. And it's it's often just about um, you'd be surprised how little JavaScript or how little CSS can make a huge difference on on your application. Um, that yeah, that's something I've seen in a lot of these, um, and more recently, a lot of the Shiny contest submissions is you'll notice they definitely don't look like a normal Shiny app or there are little tricks here and there. And there's certainly a blend of using, say, a lot of the packages you created and, and say from David and others in the community, but it's also just those little polishes of CSS or other maybe JavaScript simple functions. And when I see it from the outsider perspective, I think they must have done some real wizardry magic in there. And certainly a lot of it is, but there are other ones that if you just know a little bit of CSS, you can change it almost instantly. So mm -hmm. it's certainly something that is on my to-do list to get better at is like kind of styling the app a bit better um, and not just sticking with defaults all the time. Although now the defaults are getting a lot better in a lot of the UI packages, but um, having just at least of intermediate knowledge of how to make things a little different, like say the, mm -hmm. the text and the slider input, making that a little bigger to read. You know, like that was my first CSS mm -hmm. customization of Shine, just making that font size bigger. And I thought I would, 
I like had this revelation in my mind when I figured mm -hmm. that out. But that's simple, right? I mean, it goes way beyond that. But those but, skills, I think, would be very helpful. Yes and no. I mean, it, yes, indeed, it is simple. But you do that for four inputs, and you have an app that looks completely different than any other shiny app. True. Another good trick that I that I sort of give people to me that changes everything is the font. Get yourself yes. a font. Google font anything or the one of your organization. E Google fonts easier. You'd you'd be amazed how different everything suddenly change suddenly look um and it is just these little things that really make like you said i think a huge difference yeah that's on my next task is not just a little css tricks we're just changing the font so that they know that when eric makes a shiny app at work it's going to look a little different than the ones everyone else makes and sometimes it, it, little things make make a difference to a lot of our executives as silly as that might sound these little touches can can take yeah. it to another level. So, um, yeah. yeah, so we, we cover a lot of ground. I kind of want to leave this uh, provocative question to you towards the end is that you've walked us through a lot of great examples of enhancing, like you, like we talk about the user experience of an app, you know, tricks that you can do to minimize, um, load or make the illusion of things loading faster, you know, little things like that. Um, but what general advice do you have for developers who, are say they've done basic shiny apps and they want to take the next step into building complex applications like as you've been doing that more in your in your work it sounds like what things can you tell our audience you think might help that transition to go from just prototyping the hey this is something i can put in production good question um they asked me in a bit of a pincer um <laughs> the well, up, up, up until recently, I would have to, to tell you the same as for the HTML widgets, trial and error. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, however, very unsatisfying. Uh, there is now, thankfully, uh, I can bring it up here. There is Mastering Shiny that's going to come out yes. uh, by Hadley Wickham himself. Um, you've got the book by David that you mentioned right here. That one's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, and you've got the one by um, Colin that you, that you talked about. These, I think, uh, are, are really good. Um, because uh, I work a bit on side projects with uh, David, and I really like his book, I have to plug it. Um, I think it's, it's one of those really neat ones because it's, like I said, I don't have any formal background or education in computer science or these sort of things. So learning a new language is is quite difficult. It's, it is difficult. So um, and it is very frustrating. If you pick up JavaScript tomorrow and you have to relearn how to do a basic thing like reading a CSV in, um, it's extremely frustrating. But there you learn to include a bit of JavaScript to greatly enhance your shiny app by by writing very little essentially JavaScript. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like you start from scratch. Um, and before you know it, you, you write a lot more and you have, um, you have a much greater app. Yeah, that's excellent advice. Um, it's been so awesome chatting with you. Like I said, I've been wanting to do this for a long time now and we finally got you on the dev series. Um, for those that are interested in seeing what you're up to in the art community and the shining community, where, where are the best places or ways that the listeners can, um, can get a hold of you? The best place is uh, my ridiculous Twitter. My, um, <laughs> <laughs> if I can't even type my my handle here, uh, uh, jdataP, and that's where you'll find me. My DMs are are, are open. Um, please feel free to contact me. 
honestly, and, and I mean it, um, whatever, as long as it's all related, I'm, I'm more than happy to at least try and help. Excellent. We'll have all those links and all the other uh, packages and, and references you mentioned in the, in the show notes for this episode. So, John, again, thank you so much for joining me with, for this um, episode of the Shiny Dev Series. And you are welcome back anytime as you're building new cool stuff and you're, you have an open invitation to come back. Thank you very much, Eric. And I must, I must thank you for, for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Oh, ab absolutely. Yeah. So um, we'll have some closing thoughts after this. But thanks again, John. And we'll be right back. Cheers. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that great conversation with John. We covered a lot of ground and he is a thrill to talk to. And I hope he comes back for future episodes. First, a bit of housekeeping before we sign off here. If you'd like to see the detailed show notes for this episode, you can head to our website at shinydevseries.com. You can see all the past episodes there as well with lots of excellent content if you're an enthusiast for Shiny. We'll be back uh, in a few weeks with our next episode. And in fact, throughout the year, we have a lot of great guests lined up covering the full spectrum of Shiny development from both a developer perspective as well as a practitioner or a consulting perspective. I hope you really enjoy the guests that we have lined up for you. Plus, I plan on sharing some of the tips I've learned along the way in using Shiny throughout the years, especially as I've built a handful of great production Shiny apps at the day job. And I want to share some tips I've learned along the way there. So again, if you want to keep up to date with the latest episodes, feel free to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head to our website, shinydevseries.com. And also we have a new Twitter account to, to show the new episode notices. You can follow that at, at shinydevseries. So until next time, we'll see you later. Bye, everybody.